Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Dicker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, I'm enjoying this format this season where we're actually taking questions from teachers in the field and just responding. So we're going to continue to do our best to give practical solutions, at least from our perspective. So what is today's question? Well, how about if I just play it from Bettina and let's be ready to roll. Hi, my name is Bettina. I work with fourth grade students in math, and I'm calling in for tips for adapting lesson plans so that I can um, help my students and tailor content to their needs via online school. Thank you. So math and online school. You know, I love math. <laughs> well, you know, I like online. Yes, there <laughs> so, we go. <laughs> so we'll probably um, we'll probably respond to this from a little bit different different perspectives. And I, I think I'll start, Lisa, and um, this might, listen, this might sound strange no. because I'm not usually somebody to use this kind of strategy, but I do think there's a real value sometimes to quick timed quizzes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we can actually do online and make it a bit of a challenge. And so, so hear me out for a second. So if, if I have a structure in my class where every student has taken a pretest, they don't have to know what quiz one another is taking. But if we start a system where they chart all week, how many questions did they get correct on their own personal computer-based quiz in a two minute time period, and then they chart that. And then the next day we start our class with their two minute time test. How many can they get correct in that two minutes? And anybody who's used this type of strategy knows what, what you do is you make sure you plan for a test. <clears throat> they, they cannot finish in that time frame. So more, more questions than they could finish in two minutes. But this idea of getting kids to work with, with immediacy and push themselves for their own independent goals and to monitor their own progress across the week, then our culminating discussion at the end of the week is, let's look at our progress. And it's our individual progress because you might've been working on you know, the threes times tables and I might've been working on two digit multiplication, but no one has to know what we were working on. We were all goal setting. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I, I think that goes back to what we know is best practice in the field of special education, which is precision teaching and kind of taking that data monitoring. And so if folks want to look at that, you know, Becky, we agree, which I didn't expect that to be honest with you, um, is you might want to look under the uh, Intervention Central has some free tools on precision teaching and some good graphing. But yeah, you and I are big believers for kids to see their own progress. There's also online games like Some Dogs, Math IXL, where you can do that too more automated, but sometimes it's good if you're online to do something a little more offline. Uh, so if you can send or print or give kids rights to do some of that stuff, I think that's the big mistake we've made with the online world is we've made everything online. And so I'm a big believer too, but see, now I would be sending my kids offline to do some math, you know, run around your chair five times and multiply it by 10, 100 and a thousand and come back with your answer. 
uh, go out and find me 10 things in your home. Do be careful because you may get something inappropriate. Uh, but again, if you're working on decimals, letting kids sort it, be very careful and very conscious that some of our children have limited resources in their home. So don't be real specific, like go get me 10 of this. Um, you know, like <laughs> I had a teacher, get me 10 toothpicks. <laughs> like most families don't have toothpicks anymore, you know, or, or they, they may or may not, but again, making assumptions about what our kids may or may not have at home or send home a little, little kit. Now, one of the things we know Becky in math, so I'm going to kind of go to that lens is that there is this kind of, um, I don't know, I, the word tension is too strong, but this dichotomy between special ed being a little bit more direct instruction. That's why you're worried about the pushback on that, that time test. But I think there is a place for fluency in mathematics, just like there's a place for fluency in reading. If you can't get fluent in reading, we give you a computer to read to you. If you can't get fluent in math, we give you a calculator. I mean, I think we have ways to bridge that. But if we're working with students and at her age, she's still working with those developmental phases. Do remember that sometimes we run too quickly and our books take us too quickly to the abstract thinking. <laughs> and right. many of the students we love, <laughs> abstract is not a piece. So I always say when a kid is confused online, go back and think about concrete. And that's where I like getting something for, from their home. Think about a concrete YouTube example. There's so many songs, so many things out there that you could find. But I think we often have an abstract concept like dividing decimals. Well, immediately I would then go to a concrete example or more representational example of like math train TV, letting kids listen to other kids do something in mathematics. And I think that's the last piece I'll have. And then I'll send it back to you. I've got a couple more quick ideas, but I think letting your kids make videos of their understanding of math and sharing that that's a great online offline activity uh, to be doing in your, in your classroom. I, th I think that's perfect. And I, and I think the key here is combining these things in a, in a predictable pattern for students during their math time so that things become a, a pattern, something that we don't have to spend all our time trying to figure out, how do I find this site? How do I get to this place? How, how do I set a timer for two minutes on my computer? So that these things become procedural, they're part of our regular routine, and we do have that best practice of the precision teach that I described but then we weave it into other layers that are more engaging. So Lisa, I think I'll just end my thoughts with a resource online if you're not familiar, um, which is the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics uh, website and Illuminations. So the, the Illuminations website has a lot of great activities uh, that can be used in, in any platform. And I think it's worth, a teacher's time to go and take a look and see what's already there and what they could modify that's there to use in their online classes. Yeah. And, you know, Becky, it's interesting too, because Bettina did ask us about, you know, how do I adapt that content? And I think you and I are a big lover of, of saying, you know what, go back to those access points. You, you, these may not be students you're teaching to those access points, but they do remind you of that really solid core. I always like to think of those as like the center of the earth, you know, what holds everything together. And if you look at that center of the earth idea, then my last piece of advice is I think we haven't thought deeply enough about kids with disabilities in mathematics. 
So if you've got a disability in reading, <laughs> oh boy, we can get, you know, it's comprehension with inferential questioning. Like you get like data out your ears. When a kid has a disability in mathematics, we go, yeah, they got one. Good luck with that. And I have a feeling that's what Bettina's kind of probably dealing with a little bit online. And so I'm just going to be a little bit nerdly here and talk for just a moment about research. Uh, but I'm going to talk about it in a very practical way. And that I really find great teachers of mathematics that are with struggling learners start to code where kids are struggling, just like you would in reading. So if there's a fluency problem, we give you, you know, Bookshare or Learning Ally if you, um, so that you can listen to the text. If you've got a struggle with comprehension, we do lower level questioning, we do more discourse. But for kids with mathematical disabilities, the research kind of has bubbled up that there's five areas. One is perseveration. <laughs> and that's the kid who, when you teach them how to multiply, then they forget how to divide or vice versa. Uh, we see that a lot for our kids on the spectrum or kids that are very focused and, and maybe uh, obsessive compulsive. The second one we often forget is a language issue. A kid who struggles in reading today is going to struggle in mathematics. So maybe it's Bettina that lower level reading concepts might help in mathematics. The third one that we see in the field that has been emerging is reasoning. And that was really hard, especially in an online environment. So Becky, if I can't get you to be reasonable and we're in a face-to-face -face class, I can have others talk to you. It's harder to do that in, in a Zoom. And then the last two, I think, are ones that are not solvable, but are really important because they move in and out of the kid's life. And one is perceptual. You know, it's the kid, my favorite kid, Becky, had a, had a page on the book and he had really serious perceptual issues, couldn't spell, couldn't really look at shapes and tell you the shape. And he said to me, Mrs. Deeker, come here. And I'm like, yep. He goes, you see that little arrow? You keep saying the line goes on forever, but it ends right there. <laughs> I'm like, well, baby, it really doesn't. He goes, so I put an arrow on him and made him walk all the way around the school. And I said, if you were a line, you'd be doing that for the rest of your life with an arrow at the end. Now, if there's a dot, you would have stopped. And it takes that kind of concrete example for a kid with perceptual. And then the last one is memory. Uh, and so uh, before I forget, perceptual shows up really big in fractions and geometry. <laughs> so kids do really, really well. And you enter a unit in geometry and all of a sudden you're like, what? Uh, they were doing fine and now they're not. So again, looking at what that need is. And then the last one is memory. We can fix that really simple if we just give kids calculators, give kids you know, multiplication charts, give kids the formulas in advance. But I think we often think about those kinds of things in literacy and not nearly as much in math. So any thoughts as do you close us out today, Becky? No, I think that I think I think that was a great summary, and, and I appreciate you sharing those just the those basic principles. But they're not things that are necessarily always common knowledge for us, and especially if we're teaching elementary or um, or special ed, and we're teaching all subject areas, we may not know even some of those basic things to think about, and that's a great place to start. Well, thanks for joining us, and you can uh, send us questions. Our phone number is 407-900-9305, um, or you can also find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Access Practical.